This is Tom Vargelettis with the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast, and we've got a special episode today. A listener question was emailed in to me, and uh, we were corresponding back and forth, but I wanted to share his question with you today because this is something that probably every real estate photographer will experience at one point or another or at least this type of dilemma, maybe not specifically exactly this, but the lesson to be learned here I think is really important. So let's go through the question. The email goes a little something like this. Hello, Tom. First of all, thank you so much for your great podcast. I really appreciate all the info and tips you gave us. I found your podcast a few weeks ago, and I've already listened to most of your episodes. (laughs) Thank you. My name is Angel. I'm from Puerto Rico, but I live in Los Angeles. Angel, thank you so much for reaching out. Really appreciate the question. Uh, He goes on with, I've got a quick question. I've been in real estate photography for about a year now. Earlier this year, I had about two or three months that were super busy. People were calling me a lot, and my weekly schedule was completely full. So I decided to bring my prices up. I was charging $250 for a basic package of about 20 to 30 photos. I created a new price list and emailed all my clients. I went up to $299. Well, all my clients stopped calling me. In the last month and a half, I have zero calls from any old clients. Of course, first I started doubting my photography, and it's been a bit hard on my personal life and finances. My question is, how should I approach this? I had contacted all my clients a few times so they didn't forget about me. Should I just bring my prices back down? Is $2.99 in a city like LA too expensive? I know I'm not the best photographer out there, but I'm not also one of those HDR type of photographers. (laughs) Bad joke. I would really appreciate your opinion on this. Angel, thank you very much for the question. Now, this is a problem. (laughs) This is a big problem. So we're all going to have a point in our business where we might have super crazy busy seasons or parts of the year. And, um, you know, is the answer to raise your prices? Is it to, like in previous episodes, hire on some staff? How do we handle it? Do you, and I know we just hate it if we're at that point where we're so busy, old, reliable clients suddenly decide they're going to work with someone else just because we're too booked up. So I answered Angel's question. I sent him a lengthy email. I reply, hi, Lou. I reply, thanks so much for reaching out. It seems like you found yourself in a bit of a pickle. There might be a couple forces at play here. If it's been your first year, I'd try and see if the drop-off in bookings are related to the market slowing down for your clients. Sometimes real estate agents find that their work is seasonal. Certain parts of the year, such as springtime, can be busier than other parts of the year. A great test is to call all of your past clients and ask them how they are doing. You can say something like, Hey, Mr. Client, I was thinking about you and I realized I haven't heard from you in a while. How is everything? 
<laughs> sending out a few reminder texts or emails will not get to the bottom of this issue. You should ask as many clients as you can directly. Some may mention that they just haven't had any listings in a while. Some might say they found another photographer. But in each case, you should ask them if they have any listings coming up. But in each case, you should ask them if they have any listings coming up and you know offer something like brochures or a portfolio that they can take with them to their next listing appointment. Uh, you can also help them get more listings by letting them show your photography and to be able to tell their clients that they can make this future potential listing look just as good as they can see in those samples that you offered. Uh, offering that kind of help will always be appreciated. Real estate agents are constantly looking for an edge that will help distinguish themselves from their competition. Whether they have found another photographer or not, you still want to offer them some value. So if you're in the situation where they did find another photographer and maybe there's some price issues at play here that led to their decision, that is the time to ask questions. If you start feeling some negative emotions, that's normal. And I know I've been frustrated by losing clients to other photographers. But at that moment, you want to focus on them. You want to focus on your clients. Ask what it was, if it was pricing, what about that was throwing them off? Why was it that they feel like you were asking for too much money? Or were they feeling more like you aren't offering enough services for the money? Ask them what it was about the other photographer that made them want to switch. You might find out that these clients will be very forthcoming with that information. I mean, most of them probably will be. And they might just say, hey, I want to work with that guy because, you know, they just do more than just photos. Maybe their base package includes drone photography or maybe they include or they add on uh, floor plans or other things like that. I know that some of my clients, in fact, a lot of them, a couple that I've had here on the podcast, really appreciate the one-stop shop experience of just having to call me and not coordinate between someone to do drone and floor plans and all these other things. Even though I'm not personally doing each of these different services, I am able to offer them because, you know, I have my staff and referral partners. So if you don't have people working for you and you're finding that these agents are like, yeah, no, we just work with them because they do floor plans too. All you have to do is if you don't want to learn how to do that additional service, or maybe you don't want to get a drone pilot license, for example, or you don't want to wait until you get your drone pilot license, find someone that specializes in that. See if you can get a good deal with them, mark up the service, I don't know, 20, 30%, whatever you want to do. I mean, you could do even less margin if you wanted, but you're still servicing the customer and doing all of that work. And then, you know, just have that other person come and handle it. Like there's a way to diversify the services that you are offering without actually physically having to do each of those things yourself. You want to ask those questions to see if that is what's going on. You might find through your little questioning session that a few clients just haven't had as many listings as they hoped they were going to get. Some of them might be trying out another photographer to see how well they'd work out and will probably just call you back later 
Some clients might have had an issue that you did not even notice was an issue on your end, and then being able to hear them out will help you to gain some insight in your business. And it will help improve your client's experience when they're working with you. So this kind of follow-up after the fact, you know, after an appointment is done, or especially if you realize you haven't seen them in a while, is so important. Really, you're going to find that issues have come up that you weren't probably aware of before. And it could be something as simple as this one particular client, they prefer Dropbox and you're using Google Drive. I've had that situation a ton of times. I've had clients that are like, I do Dropbox. I don't understand anything else. I can't work with you because I don't know how to download my photos. If you call them in advance of this becoming such an egregious problem, you could just say, well, I'll switch to using that for you instead. Um, I actually opt to uh, just create like tutorial videos for them and to stick to single services to keep my life, you know, a little less complicated. But for you, specifically for changing services for that client, as far as how you're delivering files, that might work best for them. That might have been the issue. And you might have some clients that are like, yeah, no, we really love your work, but we wanted to be able to do Twilights and we don't see that you offer Twilights. And then that's just a matter of, well, I can just come back around twilight hours and take a couple photos, you know. They might not know that you're able to do the things that they want as well. So following up with clients, even when you're busy, that's an important thing to do. So I talk about this in other podcast episodes, how important it is to prospect every day for new business. It's also very important to follow up with current and old business as well. If you want to build a full-time real estate photography income and career and you want to have a book of business of photo shoots and just real estate photo shoots coming in day in and day out, paying your bills, paying into your retirement account, your health insurance, everything, you cannot just let your business happen around you. You need to take control of that. And one of the easiest ways to do it is just to make a habit of calling people one-on-one and having a conversation. And if you find that you just don't even have a rapport with these people, like you can't really call them and talk to them, then maybe that's the issue. Maybe you need to work on your bedside manner or um, maybe you need to find a way to interact with them more a little bit. Something that I'm a big fan of is I go to, um, when a new real estate office is opening, I go to the opening ceremonies, I go to realtor events, like just real estate agent realtor events, and I go to other networking events. You know, you buy a table, you set up the table, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people there. I'll set the table up and, you know, I'll just walk around and I'll just talk to people the whole day not really in, you know, prospecting mode, but then afterwards, a lot of these real estate agent events involve alcohol. So one of the reasons that these agents go in the first place, because they know they might get a couple drink tickets or whatever the case may be. And afterwards, I am just talking to people informally, casually, just chit-chatting, asking them about themselves finding some common interests, finding out, you know, what things they're doing in the community, how's their business. I'm just talking to them about them. And if you ever want to have a conversation with somebody, let them talk about themselves. They're going to walk away and think, wow, that angel is such a great guy. (laughs) He's so nice. 
<laughs> and um, you know, then eventually, inevitably, they realize they're talking about themselves the whole time. They ask you questions about you. Oh yeah, I'm a real estate photographer. I have gotten people to book appointments with me who have not even seen my work, who have not even asked for a quote for prices. After just a friendly conversation, they're like, wow, can I have you do my next one? Where do I book? And you might have the same experience. If you don't have that kind of, I guess, uh, networking kind of skills, that's something that you really want to develop. I would consider myself to be an introvert. I'm, I'm not someone that's always out mingling and networking all the time. But with practice and you know, knowing that this is just something I've got to do, I've been able to just flip that switch on. So even if you're someone that would think of yourself as more introverted, you're not going to go out and randomly introduce yourself to strangers on the street like a crazy person and try and make them become your photography client. You're going to go to a place with a purpose in mind and you're just going to casually engage people. And it's it's a wonderful way of building a relationship with clients. So then you can call them up later and say, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Being able to have like more of a personal relationship. I mean, it's it's business casual relationship, let's say, you know, like the like the uniform <laughs> kind of dressed down, not really worried about being super proper and polished. And a lot of people appreciate not that not everybody, but a lot of people appreciate that. And you'll be able to call them and just see what's going on. You know, if you're not able to, I recommend getting out there, meeting people and just casually engaging with them. Your networking skills will determine ultimately how successful your business is going to be because you can just put your nose to the grindstone and you can do internet ads and you can do cold calling. You can do all these things. But if you can't build a rapport with your clients, you're going to have a tough time getting that feedback in the first place. If you have an issue with that, I've just solved your problem. All you got to do is, is go out and do it. I can't do it for you. If you wanted to talk later, Angel, about some coaching on exactly step-by-step what to do, what to say, we can get into that offline here. If you listen to this episode later and decide, yeah, you know what, I'm going to need a little bit more help than what I'm hearing, we can figure that out. On the issue of clients not getting as many listings as they were hoping for, then that's not a problem so much for you as it is a problem for the agent. But it becomes your problem when the only agents that you have as clients have this kind of a seasonal business. So like I mentioned earlier in my response email, some agents will mostly get listings in the beginning of the year. So I mean, some agents try to shoot for like if they get a potential seller lead to list the property next spring. You know, if it's like later in the fall, maybe in the unideal uh, marketplace. And also, depending on the market area, some houses will not sell in a very short period of time. So, agents really want to try and time the listing for the market. And that just means that you need more clients. Real estate sells year round, it's just a matter of you got to find the people that are listing more, or you just have to have such a large pool of clients that even though other agents might have a seasonal business, your business will not be seasonal just because you have so many people calling in with so many appointments. Now, I think, and I really believe this, that lowering your prices is the absolute last resort. Let's throw a little asterisk at the end of that sentence. There's a caveat here. If indeed you are overpriced, for the quality of the work you're delivering in your marketplace, 
then the best course of action would be to adjust your prices to make them more competitive for the quality of the work that you're delivering. However, I still find that it's best to sell with value, not discounts. It's best to sell value, not discounts. So I couldn't see in my own business, maybe not even a majority of my clients leaving me over a $49 price increase. Because earlier in, in your email, that's the difference in your prices. You raise them almost 50 bucks, 49 You know, I'm sure for my business and my clients, there'd be some grumbles and some complaints and probably lose a few clients. But if there was a drastic decrease, as it sounds like you're experiencing, I wouldn't be surprised if there was more going on behind the scenes. So, Angel, your homework to figure this problem out is to call them all. Don't just call a couple of people and then, you know, maybe you get mixed feedback and then lose your focus and then think, oh, I got to do something else. You're going to call all of those past clients that you haven't heard from in a while. You're going to put them in a list. You're going to contact them, ask them how their business is doing, ask them if they've got any listings coming up that they might want you to come out and shoot, and especially ask them what they thought about your new pricing model. Through those conversations, they might even have some pointers or some other ideas that could help you further develop your business to help you deliver even more value. Once you've talked to all of those past clients, took some notes on any ideas that they might have given you, any complaints that they might have given you, just remember that when one person complains about something, that doesn't mean that you immediately have to respond and just do whatever they said they wanted you to do. Uh, That's another thing. Because you're probably going to get some people that are like, yeah, when you increased your prices, that's when I decided I didn't want to work with you anymore. It's too much money. I'm calling this other guy. And then you know, you have an opportunity there to say, well, is that other photographer delivering much more value? Are they turning around photos faster? Are they offering other services? Because like in the case of my business, a lot of real estate agents, they like the idea of these really base prices that I have, but almost all of them add a bunch of stuff together. So At face value, I'm a budget photographer, but then when the invoice is delivered and paid, suddenly I'm not. And if you have a client that's maybe like, oh yeah, I'm working with this other guy because his prices are, are lower, ask, well, what are you getting and what are you actually paying for? Are you actually paying more or less? And that might give you some ideas of services that you could add to your own business or ask who the photographer is if they did indeed move on to someone else and check them out. Look at the, look up their Instagram account, see if they have a website. You know, you could even call them directly if you wanted to, not to fight them and say, hey, you took my client. But just to say, you know, you can call a competitor and say, hey, I want to congratulate you. You, you got a, a really great client there. Uh, so-and-so, I just got off the phone with them. They said you've been, they've been working with you. I used to be their photographer, and uh, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions, if you don't mind. Like, how did you get in touch with them? Or, um, you know, what kind of things are you doing in your business? And not many other, almost zero. I mean, I, I, I stopped doing that a couple years ago because um, people would just get kind of weird. But every now and then you'll get a photographer that's like going to be really gregarious and going to be like, oh yeah, you know, I met them doing this and and they'll just tell you. <laughs> so you can just keep that in mind if you wanted to 
do what they're doing or just kind of noticing what's happening around you with other businesses and taking that into account when you make your own business decisions. That's going to be really helpful. The first people you want to talk to are going to be your clients, of course. And then, Angel, once you get through that entire list, once you've talked to everybody, then you will want to sit down and think about what's the consensus here? Is every single person here telling me that I'm charging too much money? My personal gut feeling is you can never charge too much money because you're selling people on value, not on discounts. You don't have to be the cheapest photographer or like in the bottom of the little bell curve of your prices. There are photographers who are charging boatloads of money. They are making an absolute fortune taking photos. Now, granted, their photos are amazing and very few people on earth could replicate them or make their own original work just as good. So you want to consider the quality that you are actually creating and delivering as well, but not necessarily dropping prices is going to be the solution here. Once you're through that list and and you've had you know, some good notes on, on your business and on your clients and what's going on there. That's when you're going to go back to a previous episode that you can find on this podcast about getting clients, prospecting, about doing your presentations and making more business happen because you should be prospecting every single day. You should be making these kinds of phone calls every single day. In my case, I've got the amazing opportunity to have one of my staff here do that. That's pretty much her only job now. But if you've got time, if you've got an open space on your calendar, that's not a sign that, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong. That's an opportunity to go out and get more business to fill the calendar back up. And once you start getting busy, you're going to want to protect a certain amount of time, a couple hours a day, maybe even more every single day seven days a week, like even if you're going on vacation, take some time, wake up early and then do some prospecting calls and some emails and some text messages and follow up with people, ask them for feedback about their thing. Like the whole customer management part of things like that's super important to the life of your business. You want to have an idea of what your client's experiences are, how they might be better, and as well, you know, reaching out to people that don't even know who the heck you are and seeing if they'd be interested in working with you at a future date. And that, I think, is going to fill your calendar back up a lot faster than just dropping your prices. Because when you drop prices, you're still doing the work. Of course, any real estate agent would work with a photographer for a huge discounted rate. Even if the photos were terrible, they could just get another photographer to do it. Like, there's, there's no risk and they get all the benefit. But you as the photographer, you're doing the work. And now all those hours you're working for, you're collecting less income. (laughs) If you're working more, you should be making more. And you don't have to feel bad or have some weird kind of stigma about it. If you're working more, you should be making more. And if you're doing good work, you should be making more. So lowering prices, absolute last resort, I would say. Like you'd really have to look carefully at your competition. And if you don't have like a list of every other real estate photographer in your in your state, you can just jump on MLS on Zillow or Realtor.com, whatever, and just look flip through listings. Look at what listings are looking like, houses that you haven't shot, 
on MLS, active listings that are being marketed for sale, and just see like how do my images stack up? And if they don't stack up very well, that doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. That means that you need to do a better job. And look, you're seeing people doing a better job. So it's within the realm of possibility if other people are doing it certainly you could might just be a matter of changing your technique a little bit you said you're not a one of those one of those hdr photographers um which you know it it's not right probably to just shit on people that do uh hdr photography because there's a way to do it really nice and you could also um if you want to take the time and manually mask things and you can get a pretty good look but uh, it just takes forever. But yeah, I understand uh, people that just bracket three, five images and then throw them through the HDR processing on Lightroom and then ship them off to the to the agent. Yeah, those, uh, those are a little rough. But it seems like you're not one of those. It seems like you really take some care into the quality of your work. So, you know, it, if unless people are just blowing you out of the water in terms of composition and lighting and just overall resolution... Um, which I highly doubt because those images are getting compressed six ways to Sunday going through MLS and then through IDX to Zillow and all those other ones. Raise your prices if you really need to. If you are legitimately overcharging and you only raised your prices just because you were working so much you wanted less appointments, then you'd probably want to bring them back down. And you'd probably want to, if you find yourself getting crazy busy again, listen to another episode I've got here on hiring staff and leveraging your time with money or referring people out and finding another photographer that you can kind of tag team, you know, because there's there's good people out there. Um, A lot of photographers will find themselves, you know, if if they're starting to feel jealousy or if they want to feel super protective over their pipeline and like you can't talk to my clients you can't look at my clients those are not the people you're going to work with but you can find other photographers that are like yeah I get super busy too I understand you know I'll take the appointment maybe you could ask for a referral fee you know just say hey you know could you work with this person throw me a couple bucks um and if they want to work with you later on then you know I'm not going to complain about it and just understand that and maybe have a mutual understanding that they would do the same for you. You want to be really careful when you vet people out to do those kind of tentative um, partnerships because uh, some people would say, yeah, sure, send them over, and then they will never, ever reciprocate even if they could have. So yeah, you, you want to be careful with who you kind of do business with. So I already know that Angel appreciated my answer. He sent a nice thank you note afterwards. I hope that this question and answer with Angel is also helpful to you because we can sometimes find ourselves in this rut. And if the first thing that comes to mind is, well, maybe I need to lower my prices. What's happening there is that you're thinking that your prices have way more to do with how many clients you have and how busy you are than is actually true. So of course your prices are important, really super important. But that's like, I would say less than 50% of why people are going to work with you. Because there are a lot more photographers in my state, 
in my marketplace that charge very low prices for their photos. There's a lot of them. And I still have tons of repeat business and new clients coming to me every month consistently for years, not because I'm the cheapest. If their only decision was, I got to work with the cheapest photographer that I can find, or maybe not the cheapest, but like mid to low range. I would have no <laughs> clients at all. People don't choose to work with you just about price. And of course, there are those people that are out there that the price is the only thing that they care about. I've mentioned this in previous episodes. There's some, you know, they're real estate agents, they're millionaires, and they just want the cheapest possible <laughs> price that they can get. And that's more of a personality thing. That's not about a value thing. That's about them trying to help out themselves and, you know, to the detriment of everyone around them. It has nothing to do with how much value that you can deliver as a photographer because you do deliver a tremendous amount of value. I've talked about this all the time, how important real estate photography is to the real estate agent. You just need to go out and find people that are happy to pay your prices. I have people, they've been paying uh, booking fees in advance. At the time of booking, you have to put $100 down. Otherwise, you can't confirm an appointment with me. And then afterwards, I bill them even more. And then after, they're thanking me for the work and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you're so well-priced. I feel like I should be paying you more. <laughs> I've got a couple people that, that add a tip <laughs> to the invoices. I don't know why they do that, but they just do. And those are the clients that you want to get. And in LA, I'm pretty sure real estate is like even more expensive. I think LA is one of the highest end markets in the country, if I'm not mistaken. One of them, at least. That said, California, that's a big state. If you're only marketing in your little area, your little neighborhood or city area, wherever you are, uh, you could also try to expand your marketing and try and get in front of people outside of the city or in other neighborhoods or what, you know, just make those connections happen and accept the fact that, you know, maybe you're going to have to every now and then drive a couple hours a day or more. I still find that even though I'm not 100% only doing photography like I used to, I am uh, still routinely driving three or four or five hours per day because I'm still keeping my hands around, you know, certain, I don't know, like six, seven million dollar listings and up the video and the photo shoots. I really want to be involved in those and a, a lot more, even if I have one of my photographers going out to the listing with me. It's actually uh, Saturday today. Tomorrow morning, we're going out, and a builder has this development. There's like a bunch of houses he wants shot, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to shoot them with my photographer just so we can get it done quickly and get on with the rest of the day. That's going to be a couple hours of driving, and then I'm going to go to the office anyways. A lot of people are afraid to commute. I would say, you know, if you don't have a car, get yourself a cheap car and drive. You should be able to go where the money is if you can't find it readily available around you. So I just went through my reply to Angel and I added a whole bunch of information there as well. So Angel, if you're listening, I hope the extra info was especially helpful to you. And to everybody else, if you also have a question that you would like to have answered, any kind of a question, I know I focus a lot of my attention on the business side of the business. Uh, if you have anything photography related, gear related, especially business questions, 
you can reach out to me directly. You could find me on Instagram at Tom Vargeletis. It's T-O-M-V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S. <laughs> I know. It's not the easiest name to spell, but it's the only one I've got. Uh, you can email me directly to Tom at ftrephoto.com if you so desire. And if your question is appropriate, I will, of course, answer it here on the podcast for a future episode. If anyone here would like to actually take a look at some of Angel's work, you can find him on Instagram at the underscore A-E-S period T-H-E-T-E. So again, you can find Angel. His Instagram account is the T-H-E underscore A-E-S period T-H-E-T-E. I'm sure Angel would appreciate it if you all sent him some love and gave him a couple follows. So this little email question and answer session between me and Angel, this is very much like what uh, coaching would be with me, except you would have a direct line to me and there'd be a lot more one-on-one interaction as well as a business examination, looking closely at what you're doing, how, why, and how we can get your prices up, how we can get you some more clients. Anybody that's interested in personalized coaching, please feel free to reach out. Without further ado, that is going to be our episode today. I know it was a bit of a short one, but I was able to crank it out quickly on a sunny, beautiful Saturday morning. (laughs) So I look forward to hearing some more questions that I can answer on future podcast episodes. Really excited to be able to help out and share as much as I can. This was the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast. Thanks for your time.